Hey friends, M. Faring here. I am so glad you're joining me as we journey through the pages of God's Word, looking for the big picture story, digging deep in study, and discovering how all of this applies to our lives. Most importantly, I hope we're able to see how Jesus is found throughout it all, plus learn more about God's character and love for us along the way. Let's open our Bibles together, one chapter at a time. Okay, friends, let's begin. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I am so very glad you are here with me right now in the beginning. I don't know about you, but to me, there's just something about beginnings. A new start, a new year, a new day even. A clean white planner page just waiting to be filled. Well, you get the idea, right? And today, together, we are beginning our deep dive in the very first thin, crinkly pages of our Bibles, the beginning of all beginnings, the book of Genesis, the true history of who God is, who we are, where we came from, how things went wrong, God's planned rescue through Jesus, and the continuing plan that God has put in place to return the earth to the way it was meant to be someday. Genesis lays the foundation for everything else we read in Scripture. Before we go any further here, though, as we begin to study Genesis together, let's start our time in prayer to the God of the universe who truly wants us to find Him on these pages. Please join me in prayer. Father God, We come to you with the pages of our Bibles open to the very beginning. We recognize that this book isn't your beginning, God, but it is the beginning of your story with us. That the beginning of our relationship with the Creator who was not created begins right here by your choice and out of your deep love for us. We acknowledge that the words recorded in Genesis are the first words you wanted to communicate to us about your nature and our nature. This is where you, the all-powerful God of the universe, tenderly say to each one of us, I want to be with you. Our heart's desire is to not only see you on these pages, but to also meet with you in a tender way. Please help us to study Genesis, to really study Genesis. Help us to walk verse by verse, chapter by chapter, page by page of this first book of your word to us. We pray for help in understanding what we are reading. We stand together in prayer, believing that you, Father God, have something you want to speak into our lives individually each and every day truths you want us to uncover both individually and together, and insights about yourself you very much want to reveal to each one of us. We ask to see the connections between what we are reading and what the rest of the Bible says. We ask to see Jesus. Mostly, we ask to meet with you in a new way, to know you more deeply at the end than when we began. We thank you in advance for all you are going to do in our hearts, minds, and lives through our time spent reading and studying the pages of your words to us, our Heavenly Father. Amen. Okay, my friends, let's officially dive in by first taking a closer look at the book overview to get our bearings for our study time to come. Oh my goodness, I hope you're as excited as I am to open our Bibles together. So are you ready? Me too, friend. As far as overviews go, I believe there are some general understandings we should have about this first book of the Bible. The word Genesis is a Greek word that means beginnings. Genesis speaks of and answers the question, how did everything begin? the beginning of the heavens and the earth, of light and darkness, of seas and skies, of land and vegetation, of sun and moon and stars, of human beings made in God's own image, of marriage and family, of sin, work, nations, and languages, and the beginning of our need for a Savior, for redemption. Honestly, the list could go on and on here. So very many firsts for us to discover along the way, my friends. If you recall from episode 2, the How I Study the Bible episode, I mentioned the value in knowing the context of the book before we begin, as it will play a major part in understanding what it says and how it influences us. Truthfully, these details may not seem all that important, but they set the scene for reading it 
as it was meant to be read, which is the only way to truly understand it. And that's our ultimate goal in our study time together, right friends? When thinking of the setting of the book of Genesis, we must consider who wrote it, who it was written to, when it was written, where it was written, and why. With that in mind, let's take a closer look at the introduction of the book of Genesis and a few Bible translations and other resources I love to use to further clarify our study time in the weeks and months to come. Genesis is a part of what is called the Pentateuch. Pentateuch comes from two Greek words, penta means five, and tuch means scroll or book. The Pentateuch is comprised of the first five books of the Bible. It includes Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. It is also called the Torah or the Law. Jesus referred to these first five books as the Law of Moses. Many scholars believe Moses had a hand in writing all five books of the Pentateuch. One book flows into the next, recording the biblical history from creation until the death of Moses. While the events in the book of Genesis took place long before Moses was born, this history would have been preserved and passed down verbally from generation to generation. Then Moses, who lived in and was educated in the household of an Egyptian pharaoh and later instructed by God, wrote them down into the book of Genesis, most likely during the 40 years when the Israelites wandered in the desert. The storyline in Genesis begins at creation and concludes with the events leading up to the Israelites' time in the land of Egypt just prior to their slavery there. The NLT Illustrated Bible describes the book's setting in this way. When Genesis was written, the children of Israel had been slaves in Egypt for 400 years. They had recently been released from bondage and guided through the desert to meet the Lord at Mount Sinai, where he had established his covenant relationship with them and had given his law through Moses. Israel was now poised to enter the promised land and receive the inheritance that God had promised Abraham. While enslaved in Egypt, the Israelites had adopted many pagan ideas and customs from their Egyptian masters. Pardon me while I jump in here quickly to share with you that more details about this can be found in Exodus 32, about the golden calf the Israelites created to worship when they grew impatient, waiting for Moses to come back down from the mountain as he was meeting with God. They were influenced by false concepts of God, the world, and human nature even, and they were reduced to being slaves rather than owners and managers of the land. Perhaps they had forgotten the great promises that God had made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, or perhaps they concluded that the promises would never be fulfilled. Before entering the promised land, the Israelites needed to understand the nature of God, His world, and their place in it more clearly. They needed to embrace their identity as descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Genesis provided the needed understanding. Can you believe it? Only a bit of introduction so far, my friends, and look at how much clarity we've gained already. Wow! Let me pause here for a moment to say that I realize we have been and will continue for a bit longer to camp on our overview in the book of Genesis because I truly believe it is oh so very important for us to have a framework of where we are headed and how this all fits into the big picture story of the entire Bible. In my research, I discovered many connections to Genesis throughout the rest of the 65 remaining books of the Bible. Truthfully, so very much of what is going to happen in all the other 65 books of the Bible are set up here in Genesis. Genesis is like the box top to a jigsaw puzzle. Every book of the Bible after Genesis fits perfectly into place within the framework of what Moses wrote here. Sorry, not sorry that I keep finding all kinds of ways to reference puzzles in the podcast episodes. The funny thing about that is I really don't enjoy putting puzzles together. Once again, proof that God can use anything to speak truths to our hearts. <laughs> oh, Anyway, let me get back on track now, friends. As stated in an introduction to Proverb 31 Ministries Genesis Experience Guide, it says, Genesis is foundational to our faith. Its importance is evidenced by the fact that it is quoted and referenced over 200 times in the New Testament. 
It contains essential truths about God, the world, you and others, sin, salvation, marriage, faith, obedience, and spiritual fulfillment. Genesis introduces these themes and the rest of Scripture will continue to further define, explain, and illustrate these truths. In both Romans and Galatians, Paul will remind us of the penalty of Adam's sin and all that we are free from in Christ. The book of Hebrews celebrates the faith demonstrated by Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph as examples of how to live out our convictions as we look toward heaven. Through the ordinance of circumcision, God will define what it means for His people to be set apart. This analogy will be used by Paul to help the Corinthian church understand what it means to be separate from the culture and attitude and action. Revelation bookends in detail how God will reclaim all that was lost in Eden. A new heaven and new earth will be the place where we will enjoy the kind of intimate fellowship with Him that Adam and Eve experienced. In addition to profound themes, Genesis introduces us to characters that point us toward Christ. When God saves Noah and his family from the flood, we get a glimpse of both God's justice and mercy. In Abraham's offering of Isaac, we see a shadow of the Father's love in sending his only son to be sacrificed for us. Just as Joseph acts as an intercessor for his brothers before Pharaoh, Jesus pleads our case before the Father. Through these characters, you and I can learn so much about how to live better stories ourselves. We will see how God can take the most desperate of circumstances and turn them around for His divine purposes. You and I can learn that wrestling with God can reveal how desperate we are for Him. We will discover that God often chooses the most unlikely people to use them for profound, bigger-than-them assignments. Now that, my friends, is an impressive summary of Genesis and the rest of Scripture all in one, and most definitely more concise than I could ever come up with. (laughs) Oh... We will continue to see over time in our studies together that Jesus is as present in the Old Testament as He is in the New Testament. God's plan to rescue us from our sins begins in the garden. Moving on, we will continue to see over time in our studies together that Jesus is as present in the Old Testament as He is in the New Testament. God's plan to rescue us from our sin begins in the garden. The Gospel of John tells us that Jesus had an active role in creation. He would save Himself before Abraham was, I am. Over and over in the Old Testament, God seems to say to us, Stay with me. All this comes into play later on and will make more sense when it does. So in review, the book of Genesis begins it all. It tells how God brought everything into being when there was no being to begin with. It starts with God, and that's the best place to start. God is the author of it all, and He declares it all good. Then Genesis quickly describes how humans bring sin into creation and spoil it all. Yet over and over in 50 chapters— we see how God worked to redeem humanity through the imperfect and dysfunctional families of the biblical patriarchs of Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. This book is foundational to the understanding of the rest of the Bible and is filled with exciting stories and important messages. As the NIV Study Bible says, Genesis is supremely a book that speaks about relationships between God and His creation, between God and humankind, and between humans. And such a beautiful reminder for each one of us that God uses broken people in His plan of redemption from the very beginning clear up to today, my friends. So tender to think about as we realize we too are on that list of broken people God chooses to use in His bigger picture story of redemption. Amazing. Also, an interesting side note here, more than half of the Hall of Faith found in Hebrews 11, which is a New Testament list of the faithful in the Old Testament period, mentions many of the characters we will study in Genesis. More than half of them. Wow. Before we go any further here, I want to point out another valuable resource. This one from the Bible Project that I have found over my years of study and now use when beginning in any book of the Bible. Yep, you guessed it. I will link to their overview of Genesis chapters 1 through 11 in the show notes. 
be sure to check that out when you have seven-ish minutes to spare. I promise it will be well worth the effort, my friends. And while you're in the show notes, be sure to also check out the Genesis 1 visual commentary video link that I came across in the Bible Project as well. Such a valuable, closer look at creation. I'm so glad I found it. Enjoy. You may recall from the How I Study the Bible episode that I recommended the value in reading and or listening to the entire book we are studying at any given time. I recently learned that the book of Genesis could be finished in three and a half hours for the average reader. I don't know about you, but three and a half hours feels a whole lot more doable number than I initially thought. (laughs) We could even spread it out over an hour and a half in two days or one hour over three days. I promise doing this will greatly help our understanding of what we are reading in the individual chapters as we study. Something to consider anyway, right? Okay, friends, now that we have a general overview of the book of Genesis, how about we begin our deep dive into chapter one? As I am reading these verses aloud to you, please be listening for the overall theme of the passage, listening for anything repetitive, listening for anything unusual, confusing, exciting, and so on. Ready? Let's do this. Genesis chapter one from the New Living Translation. The account of creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and the darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light, and God saw that the light was good. Then he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night, and evening passed, and morning came, marking the first day. Then God said, Let there be a space between the waters to separate the waters of the heavens from the waters of the earth. And this is what happened. God made this space to separate the waters of the earth from the waters of the heaven. God called the space sky. And evening passed and morning came, marking the second day. Then God said, Let the waters beneath the sky flow together into one place so dry ground may appear. And this is what happened. God called the dry ground land and the waters seas. And God saw it was good. Then God said, Let the land sprout with vegetation, every sort of seed-bearing plant, and trees that grow seed-bearing fruit. These seeds will then produce the kind of plants and trees from which they came, and that is what happened. The land produced vegetation, all sorts of seed-bearing plants, and trees with seed-bearing fruit. Their seeds produced plants and trees of the same kind, and God saw that it was good. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the third day. And then God said, Let lights appear in the sky to separate the day from the night. Let them be signs to mark the seasons, days, and years. Let these lights in the sky shine down on the earth, and this is what happened. God made two great lights, the larger one to govern the day and the smaller one to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set these lights in the sky to light the earth, to govern the day and night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the fourth day. Then God said, Let the waters swarm with fish and other life. Let the skies be filled with birds of every kind. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that scurries and swarms in the water, every sort of bird, each producing offspring of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply. Let the fish fill the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. And evening passed and morning came, marking the fifth day. Then God said, Let the earth produce every sort of animal, each producing offspring of the same kind, livestock, small animals that scurry along the ground, and wild animals. And that is what happened. God made all sorts of wild animals, livestock, and small animals, each able to produce offspring of the same kind, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image, to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, and the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in His own image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. 
Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Then God said, Look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. And I have given every green plant as food for all the wild animals, the birds of the sky, and the small animals that scurry along the ground, everything that has life. And that is what happened. Then God looked over all he had made, and he saw that it was very good. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the sixth day. Before we take a much closer look at the individual verses found in Genesis chapter 1, let's consider this perspective from Tara Lee Cobble of the Bible Recap. Genesis is a book of the law. It's not a science book or a history book, though it does tell us a lot about history. While scripture is 100% true, it isn't always 100% literal. It's important to hold our scientific conclusions or opinions with an open hand. It's even important to hold our questions with an open hand, because this book isn't necessarily here to answer them. It's here to reveal God. Today's reading is a good example. Some people believe the days of creation were prolonged periods of time lasting tens of thousands of years. This is called the day-age theory, and it is held by many old earth creationists. Most young earth creationists believe God created the earth in a literal six days and then rested on the seventh. Either way, what is clear in scripture is that God is the creator, and none of this was an accident. This perspective has helped me land on a valuable framework to use in approaching the creation story with open hands. Can I also just take a moment to jump in here to encourage you to go subscribe to the Bible Recap Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts or from the link in the show notes? Each daily episode features Tara Lee's recap of three chapters from a year-long chronological Bible reading plan. This podcast will, of course, cover the books of the Bible in a much quicker pace than we are, but I believe that even without reading those days' chapters, just listening to the 10-minute daily podcast as you get ready or drive to work or wherever you find a moment to listen— will be a big help with beginning to see the big picture story found throughout the Bible. In chapter 1, verse 1, we find that the Bible's opening verse introduces the main character to us, God. The creation account emphasizes God's power as He brings all things into existence through His spoken words. Genesis chapter 1 and 2 even are less about how and more about who. From the first verse of chapter 1, we see it as God, God, and more God. In the beginning here could probably be paraphrased as, this is a story of God's creation of the heavens and the earth. The New Living Translation Life Application Study Bible footnote for 1.1, that is chapter 1, verse 1, says it this way, The simple statement that God created the heavens and the earth is one of the most challenging concepts confronting the modern mind. The vast galaxy we live in is spinning at an incredible speed of 490,000 miles an hour. But even at this breakneck speed, our galaxy still needs 200 million years to make one rotation. And there are over 1 billion other galaxies just like ours in the universe. Some scientists say that the number of stars in creation is equal to all the grains of all the sands on all the beaches of the world. Yet this complex sea of spinning stars functions with remarkable order and efficiency. The biblical worldview of creation is not in conflict with science. Rather, it is in conflict with any worldview that starts without a creator. The most important aspect of the continuing discussion is not the process of creation, but the origin of creation. The world is not the product of blind chance or probability. God created it. To say that the universe just happened or evolved requires more faith than to believe that God is behind these amazing statistics. The Bible not only tells us that the world was created by God, more important, it tells us who this God is. It reveals God's personality, His character, and His plan for His creation. It also reveals God's deepest desire to relate to and be in relationship with the people He created. God truly did create a wonderful universe. Creator God. So amazing to think about. 
Honestly, though, every time I read anything related to the vastness of the universe like this study Bible note, I am reminded and even drawn back to a couple faith-altering messages titled Indescribable and How Great Is Our God that I heard from Pastor Louis Giglio many years ago. They are both ones that I continue to listen to off and on, even now, and most certainly recommend them often. By the way, don't worry, friends. I shared a YouTube link to both of these messages and a related worship song from Chris Tomlin in the show notes. You're welcome. (laughs) Truthfully, I used to think I would love to have been present at the creation of the world just to witness all that is happening in that time. That is, until I heard this perspective given by Louis in his indescribable message. I hear people say things all the time that they don't think about beforehand. They're like, I would love to have been there when God created the world. Um, oh no, you wouldn't have wanted to be there when God created the world. You would not have wanted to be there that day he said, let there be light. Because when he opened his mouth, light came flying out of his mouth, traveling 186,000 miles a second. That's the speed of light, in case you weren't paying attention back in middle school. Light travels 186,000 miles a second. It's so fast that a beam of light could circle the earth seven times every second. That's flying, and it came out of the mouth of God going that speed. You wouldn't want to be standing there in that moment when he opened his mouth and light came screaming out of his mouth in a blazing glory like nothing we've ever seen or could comprehend and going faster than we'd ever imagined. And when he did speak, the universe just lit up. The scripture in Psalm 33 says, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, their starry hosts by the breath of his mouth. God breathes out stars. Okay, Louie, I guess I hadn't thought about that before. Maybe I should reconsider being present there. I don't know. It's just a breathtaking concept to consider, though. (laughs) He goes on in the same message to say, We live in a subdivision of the universe called the Milky Way Galaxy, and the Milky Way Galaxy itself is so big that we have to use light years to get around in it. You say, well, it's a light year, so that's how fast life travels in one year, and we know... When it's flying 186,000 miles a second for a whole year, it goes 5.88 trillion miles in a year. And that's the measurement or one of the main measurements we use to get around in the universe that God has created. That's how big it is. The foot is not going to help you in God's universe. The yard is of no value to you whatsoever in God's universe. The mile is insignificant. The kilometer, nah, not going to help you in getting around God's universe. We have to use a ruler that is 5.88 trillion miles long to measure things in God's universe. The Milky Way galaxy consists of billions of stars. Scientists say that there are hundreds of billions of other subdivisions and galaxies besides the Milky Way in the known universe. If we were to count the billions of stars in the Milky Way galaxy one star per second, it would take us 2,500 years just to count the stars in the Milky Way. And our galaxy is 100,000 light years across. Scientists say that our solar system is the size of a quarter, and the Milky Way galaxy the size of the entire North American continent in relative size. In other words, we are not even that consequential in our own subdivision called the Milky Way galaxy. Now, in the interest of time, I'm not going to share all I wanted to feature from the How Great Is Our God message from Giglio, but here are a few teasers to hopefully encourage you to go take a watch or a listen. If Earth were the size of a golf ball, the sun is so big you could put 960,000 golf ball Earths inside the sun. That is enough golf balls to fill a school bus in its entirety. The star Betelgeuse, or Betelgeuse, pretty sure I didn't say that right the first time, huh? (laughs) Anyway, Betelgeuse is 427 light years away from us and is twice the size of Earth's orbit around the sun. If the Earth were a golf ball, Betelgeuse would be the size of six Empire State buildings stacked on top of each other. You could fit 252 trillion Earths inside Betelgeuse. 
If the Earth were a golf ball, that would be enough golf balls to fill up the Superdome 3,000 times. If the Earth were a golf ball, Musifi would be the width of two Golden Gate Bridges end-to-end. It is so big you could fit 2.7 quadrillion Earths inside this one star. To give you an idea of just how big one quadrillion is, a quadrillion seconds ago would be 38,800,000 years ago. (laughs) Wow. The largest star science has found thus far is called the Canis Majoris. If the Earth were a golf ball, Canis Majoris would be the height of Mount Everest, almost six miles above sea level, the highest point on the planet. You could fit seven quadrillion Earths inside Canis Majoris. That is enough Earths, if the Earth were a golf ball, to cover the entire state of Texas in golf balls 22 inches deep. Oh my, I could go on and on about the majesty and splendor represented in these details of God's universe, my friends, but I will just say how great is our God indeed. Indescribable for sure. Amazing. Also, before we go much further here, I want to mention, before I forget, that I will be sure to reference the additional scriptures mentioned throughout this episode and all the episodes to come in the show notes for further study. Be sure to stop and look up the paired scripture from other parts of the Bible with what you're reading. Please don't skip past these. Other Old Testament and New Testament references are often found in the notes or margins of your study Bible. Take the time to look them up, see what they say, and how they apply to what you are learning. Remember that one of our study practices as discussed in episode two will be to let scripture interpret scripture. With that thought in mind, when thinking of this first verse in the book of Genesis, I love to consider Hebrews 3 as a paired scripture here. The English Standard Version reads, By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. Did you catch that, friends? By faith, seen made from things that are not visible. I have often heard faith defined as believing in something we cannot see. This definition not only relates to our faith in God, but also to our faith in the air we breathe and the wind on our face. We can't see them either, but we trust they are there. Same with creation. I must hold to my faith that God created the universe from nothing through His spoken words. The mystery of creation. In chapter 1, verses 3, 6, 9, 11, 14, 20, 24, 26, 29, repeated words, remember, my friends, It says, Then God said. God spoke all of creation into existence and still speaks to us today. Truthfully, those initial words from creation are still creating in the universe today. Scientists say that every second in the universe a star is born. Stars as big as our sun and bigger, and God is just naming them all and putting them where they are in His universe, as He has since the beginning. The heavens were made by the word of the Lord and all the stars by the breath of His mouth. This verse is found in the book of Psalms. Chapter 33, verse 6, from the Christian Standard Bible, the CSB. And it may sound a bit familiar, as Louis Giglio did mention it in his talk of creation that I shared earlier in the podcast. And 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 in the NLT, or New Living Translation, reads, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for rebuke, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. This verse literally says that all scripture is God-breathed. In my research, I discovered that words are breath resonated over the vocal cords and shaped by the tongue and lips and teeth. When we speak, it is our breath. Therefore, all scripture is God's breath or God's spirit. When the human authors like Moses or David or Isaiah or Paul wrote scripture, that scripture, those words were inspired by God. These men were guided in such a way that what they wrote was exactly what God wanted them to write. God actually spoke through them so that the result was a book that was really written by God. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is God breathed. God's breath is found on all the pages of his word to us. 
So the next time you see your breath on a cold day, think about this verse. The Bible is seeing God's breath. Louis Giglio describes it this way in his Breath on the Page message series from the Passion City Church. Scripture is not just ink on a page. It is God's breath in our hands. It is more than a manual for life. It is God exhaling His love for mankind to guide us away from the worst and toward the best, the living connection we have to its author, the creator of the universe. Wow. Just wow. Okay. You may or may not have noticed, but my, oh my, are we ever running out of time in this episode, my friends. So I promise I will pick up in the next episode with a closer look at the remainder of the creation verses from chapter one, including a close look at the ones about being made in God's image and so on. Trying to adequately provide an overview to the 50-chapter book of Genesis while also thoroughly covering the first six days of creation in one episode turned out to be a bit more than I could pull off, it seems. So much goodness found here in chapter one that I refuse to pass over any of it. So stay tuned for more discussion and study of the remainder of chapter one in episode six. With that in mind, please remember that this show is scheduled to release every other Wednesday wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. Up next time will be, you guessed it, all things Genesis, when we pick up where we left off at the end of chapter one, plus take a deeper dive into the concept of rest and God's creation of Adam and Eve in chapter two. I certainly can't wait. Okay, friends, could you do me a favor and share this episode with three or more people? And please go to your favorite podcast app to subscribe, rate, and review because this is the absolute best way to help others find out about this show. Also, be sure to listen to episodes one and two if you haven't already while you are there. These two prep episodes set the stage for all that is to come in our study time together. And remember, if you are curious about digging deeper into any of the things that we've talked about today, be sure to check out the show notes by swiping up on your podcast app screen to see them below. But if you can't find them there, they're always available at mfaring.com in the show notes section of the podcast pages. This is M. Faring, and I can't wait until we open our Bibles together next time, my friends.